0: Welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast, a carefully curated collection of interviews with spiritual entrepreneurs and heart-centered changemakers designed to ignite your inner light and help you create a life that truly lights you up. Today's episode is brought to you by Apprecity, my mind, body, soul, online support community, which is really like a virtual gym membership for your soul. It's designed to recharge your inner life and keep you connected to your intuition with bi-weekly workshops, recipes, and meditations, and of course, a community. For more info, you can go to appreciity.com. And today I am so, so, so excited to have my fabulous friend Phoebe and the author of The Wellness Project. I'm just like diving straight into that even though um, I didn't even give her a full bio yet. So let's learn a little bit more about Phoebe. The fabulous Phoebe Lapine is a food health writer, a gluten-free chef, a wellness personality, a culinary instructor and speaker on her award-winning blog, Feed Me Phoebe. Phoebe shares recipes for healthy comfort food and insights about a balanced lifestyle in her debut memoir, The Wellness Project. Um, In The Wellness Project, she chronicles her journey with Hashimoto's thyroidism and finding, I love this, a healthy balance between hedonism and healthy living. Um, Welcome, Phoebe. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. Yay. So... So much to talk about. Um, The thing I love about this podcast is that I really get to interview people that I'm already friends with, that I already have real conversations with, and I see this podcast so much as us kind of letting people listen in on the stuff that we tend to talk about um, already. And one of the things me and Phoebe really connected over this year was having book babies. (laughs) Oh yeah. So um, I love. So let's just talk a little bit about the wellness project. I know how all-consuming it is, and you've probably done a bunch of interviews on it. But what you know, as as also a a co-book mama, um, (laughs) I know that as you grow with it, definitely. different things you start to love different aspects about it and like different things pop up to you like as you're going through that journey so what are you really loving about the wellness project right now and what is this whole launch experience and having you know it in people's hands been like for you
1: yeah I mean you're so right it really does take on a life of its own and I I actually wrote a cookbook that came out six years ago so I've kind of been through the process but I mean in terms of I guess the marketing side and whatnot, it was such a different time back then. And I also had a co-author, So I think just kind of the vulnerability was a little bit of a different beast as well. But I kind of forgot, I think in the six years since that happened, like what a crazy experience it is to just like put something out in the world and have people making recipes and, you know, taking the tips and applying them to their life. Um, the last one was a cookbook, so it was obviously more the the recipes being cooked in people's kitchens, but it's been so great to hear the things that resonate, and you never know when you're just writing alone in a room, it's such a vacuum, um, what tips are going to be, I don't know, what simple tips are going to kind of be revolutionary to someone, because sometimes, and it's kind of what the book's about, it is like the small little things that can make the biggest difference. Um one like big category. I mean, I've been amazed by how many women have written me about um, changing their personal care products to naturals. It's something I think that being in the wellness space, like we we know about, we hear so much about. But I think the average woman, even the average like wellness savvy woman, just hasn't necessarily made the connection yet. So it's been really nice to like see people cross not the final frontier, but into new areas. And I think the beauty of the book is that it's not just food and exercise; it really is that kind of three hundred and sixty wellness. So there really is something for for everyone to learn. And I'd say that that's something that I I feared when I before I put it out in the world, I was like, oh, is this going to be too basic Are people going to really be able to like sink their teeth into some of the research or is it going to be, you know, it being kind of my own curated, um, my own curated product of a lot of research, is it going to be just, you know, things that people have already heard before? But, no, it's been refreshingly <laughs> not the case, um, and the feedback has been really wonderful. That's amazing. And, I mean, one of my favorite parts
0: is just kind of the whole approach you have to it, which I think a lot of people could learn from um, on the aspect of, you know, you really kind of took it on in my you know, and my take on it or my interpretation of it is almost like gamifying it or kind of making yeah. it, it your own adventure. and And that's like a big part where I feel like sometimes when we approach these things, we approach them too stringently or feeling like oh my god i need to do everything at once i need to switch out all my hair products and throw out all my food and like change my makeup and you know go to soul cycle or whatever the thing is and i need to start you know going to bed at this time and waking up at this time and using all you know all these different things and i love how you you took a journey with it and you really just played with like one thing at a time and I know you talk about some things lasted longer than others but I think that's something that we can all we can all gain something from wherever you are but I'm curious, so you, um, the impetus for a lot of this was your Hashimoto's thyroid thyroiditis, right? Yes, it's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, you know, for anybody listening that doesn't know exactly what that is, tell us a little bit more about what that, what that condition is and kind of how that launched this whole project for you.
1: Definitely. So, for those who don't know, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease that affects your thyroid gland. So, Most all autoimmune diseases are kind of characterized by the body self attacking itself, so your immune system no longer being able to tell the difference between friend and foe. Um, And in the case of Hashimoto's, the result is most often hypothyroidism, which means that your thyroid swells and slows down and doesn't isn't able to produce the necessary hormones that control your metabolism. So, some of the symptoms that are most common are. um, Um, extreme fatigue and weight fluctuations usually gain. Um, And then because it's, you know, hormonally based, there are so many other tangential symptoms that I think people don't always connect. So bad skin, hair loss, um, digestive issues, painful periods. Um, I had numb feet and hands from a serious vitamin B deficiency, um, and depression and anxiety, which always comes from, you know, kind of playing with the hormonal motherboard. Not always, but can often. Um, So I was diagnosed when I was 22. um, Ironically, almost around the exact same time that my food career was starting and I was leaving the corporate world to pursue my first food blog and my first cookbook full-time. And it took a little while, though, for me to kind of get over the denial of, you know, what the, what that meant. At the time, I didn't really know what a thyroid was, what an autoimmune disease was, and my childhood doctor, while being savvy enough to actually diagnose me, which is actually rare, didn't really, you know, explain the full breadth of the symptoms, she didn't explain that there was anything I could do beyond just being reliant on a synthetic drug for the rest of my life, and so... I left the office just, you know, thinking, okay, well, I don't want to sign up for the medication path. I'm feeling, you know, not terrible right now, so I might as well just keep living my life and see what happens. Um, And in those years, especially in the years that I was really hustling hard and trying to make it in the gig economy as a food entrepreneur of many trades, um, my body definitely slowly unraveled underneath, you know, the pressure of the lifestyle I was leading and not taking care of my body through diet or, or exercise or anything. And eventually I ended up in the office of someone with a more holistic perspective, took a few things out of my diet, mainly gluten, and then I kind of I think swung to the other side of the pendulum where like I started to pay more attention to wellness newsletters and And the information that was online, but I felt really confused and overwhelmed by it. And I felt guilty about all of the things I wasn't doing, but I felt really like the idea of doing all of the above all at once was also just too jarring. So I eventually, long story short, like eight years later, (laughs) arrived at this idea behind the wellness project. And you know, I you read articles every every January 1st, about how hard it is to keep your New Year's resolutions. I think back in 2014, when this was just a seed of an idea, um, 94% of people, it was said, did not keep their resolutions. And it is because people try and bite off more than they can chew. And even before like the Hashimoto's was in my life like that was certainly the case for me I'm sure it's the case for a lot of people me
0: absolutely (laughs) like a thousand percent still right now
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I was actually inspired by Gretchen Rubin's book, The Happiness Project, and just kind of the general framework she laid out for herself, although she is a way more organized, like, I don't know, type A is the right term, but she's definitely a much more organized, um, diligent person than I am, and people keep saying to me, they're like, wow, you're you're so on top of it, I can't believe you just like put together this whole year-long curriculum, and I'm like, oh, Like, actually, it really just started with the simple idea of doing one change one month at a time. And as I focused on that one change, kind of, like, finding those baby steps, those easily digestible changes that I could start with first. And then I kind of let my body dictate where I was going. And I had this kind of macro, these, like, macro categories that I knew I wanted to to hit. But um, it wasn't as as laid out as one would think because I think it would have, again, it may have felt just too overwhelming. I just knew I was going to dedicate a year of my life to health and, yeah, and, and making it really about paying attention to what was worth the time, money, and energy I spent on it and giving myself the wiggle room to to reintegrate other things after my, my sprint was over.
0: <laughs> I love that. And I love what you said about Really, you know, how your lifestyle was kind of unsustainable for wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious, like, after a year of this, can you give us a little, like, sneak preview? Is like, because I know we talk about this too, that, you know, like the work only gets more intense. Um, You know, as you keep going, we definitely, you know, I can relate to this. I know a lot of people listening can relate to that kind of having a bunch of different gigs like doing seven different things, uh. starting your own business, all of the kind of you know the hard work that I don't like to call it hustle because I feel like you no know, I have like negative connotations around the word hustle but if we're being realistic about it, like the two of us it took a lot of hard work to get where we're at It wasn't just like a walk in the park. yeah so kind of how how did your habits around handling? your workload shift over this year and, and what does that look like for you now when you're in a crazy time like I assume is kind of been recently with the book right <laughs> yeah
1: okay so totally this uh book baby birthing has really changed I mean changed the hustle back to um a stage that I had maybe tried to to migrate away from so I think um it was interesting. Over the course of my project, I actually really had to do an audit on the types, the different types of work I was doing and how it was unhealthy for me in in various ways. And it's funny. So I, I kind of knew as I, you know, neared closer to 30 that the really physical aspects of being a professional in the kitchen was not sustainable at all for me. I mean, maybe I, I think it's, it was probably because of like the weakness I sustained and in, in descending from health mountain. But I think for most people, most, you know, even like restaurant chefs are addicted to the adrenaline. I mean, your body, it's so physically demanding. Your body just starts to reject that lifestyle at a certain point. And so I kind of, Before starting the project, when I was really sick, I had tried to get away from doing so much catering and private chef work um, and shift to focusing more on writing and such. But it was funny, once I... I started the wellness project and started developing the book around it. Then I realized I kind of like shifted a little bit too much to the sitting at a desk every single day and it affected my back. And I think it honestly, it was more from a spiritual side. It really affected my, my spirit in that I was just spending way too much time alone. Um, for whatever reason, like, even though I was, I was cooking alone for a lot of these catering gigs, I usually was like working on site with assistants. I was working with a client and it was like a face to face experience of, you know, actually watching someone appreciate the the fruits of your labor versus like when you're sitting behind a desk, like even blogging, even with that dialogue, with readers or followers, I don't know. It, it's really just very different from human interaction, IRL. Um, so sorry. So back to how my habits have since doing the project changed. So this book tour was kind of like a like very intense microcosm of like all of my odd food jobs over the years, and even this past week, I took on like. For the first time in a long time, three different catering gigs of sorts. Um, One was a three course, a four course meal around the book at the Natural Gourmet Institute. One was an actual professional job. I like catered someone's wedding, very small wedding. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And then, like, I taught twice at night during that week and did two TV gigs that involved a lot of prep work. So I was on my feet all week and I couldn't believe it. It was like such a stark contrast, you know, to. Even at 32 with my, or I'm almost 32, with my body being a lot stronger than it was five years ago when I was really sick and, like, still pushing myself, I don't know. It's like, I'm like, oh, I've made the right choice. I'm just not cut out for this anymore. Yeah. Um, but it, was, it did, did, like, remind me and gave me appreciation for, like, how much I was pushing myself and back in the day I was not doing anything to kind of rebound on the self-care front so versus this past week which like I should have known better and not scheduled it this way um I should have learned my lessons from the book and actually (laughs) it's it's
0: like the it's like like the the, like underlying message of like my life (laughs) I
1: should have known better and not scheduled it this (laughs) whole I know totally that was the problem like oh my gosh I've like set up this book tour in a way that is like not <laughs> core messages and learnings into consideration and like a lot of those a big core message and learning is that it's not just you know a night out in the town drinking wine and like eating chocolate cake it's really just like consecutive nights of of hustle and bustle and being on and exuding energy or even just being in loud places. Like, as a sensitive person, all of that, I think, accumulates over the course of several days, and I just need, like, a time alone to... Some time alone, or even just with my partner, Charlie, like, on the couch to recharge with, like, a good, clean meal. And I don't know, just not so much stimulus. Um, So this past week, I mean... I consider all of my all of the experiments that I did from the book as kind of ways of honing this like macro self-care toolkit and it was great. I mean, I definitely took time to recharge in a, in a different way than I would have 7 years ago. I spent like Saturday, I woke, I didn't sleep in. I woke up, I went to yoga, I stretched my old bones, and then I went home. So, old, so. Old. And then I went home and spent, you know, 24 hours just alone in my apartment, like, doing some Netflix and chilling not going to lie um, but just like I don't know being quiet reading and just like sitting not moving meditating and taking a bath oh I tubbed so hard that day oh, um, I love tubbing kind of, <laughs> kind of like re- recharging the introvert batteries and recharging my body and I think if I hadn't done that I definitely would be in a very different state right now Um, two days
0: later. I love that. Because I think, I mean, I relate so much to everything you said. And I think it is. it, It really is this, like, ongoing balancing act. It's not, like, it's not so black and white. And a lot of the times it is balancing that because... You know, and I love this because a lot of people that listen to this um, podcast are either entrepreneurs or thinking about being entrepreneurs, um, and they probably look at our lives from, like, a distance sometimes. I think it's so easy on social media and, like, what you see, and they don't realize that, like, oh, wow, like, that person's, like, doing that event and doing that TV thing and putting out that thing, and, you know, I, I feel like especially nowadays, so many people get into, like, comparison or, oh, my God. And then, like on the flip side, what you're not seeing is how we're like, you know, we're like falling asleep in taxis and like just trying to get through the day and like, you know, oh, great, so glamorous, <laughs> right? Yeah. I like so like love to show, like to show like the 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 back end of that where it's like, yeah, I think on one end the entrepreneur lifestyle is interesting because you kind of make your own rules. And it's really balancing that. I'm literally the exact same way where I'm an extreme introvert and sensitive person. So on one hand, being alone too much is like not always super fun for me Mm -hmm. and like doesn't feel energizing. But I need that like healthy balance of, like, doing, like, one or two things a week where I'm, like, teaching a class or, you know, out amongst the people and, oh, right. and like, doing those things are super recharging and plenishing up to a point. And then once they, they get past that meter. And I think, you know, it's always about, you know, getting to that point with yourself where it's, like, maybe both of us in our earlier 20s when we started out, we just, we didn't know how to kind of up that balance to say it's okay. Like some days, some weeks are going to be crazier than others, okay. and sometimes your weeks are going to be super like outgoing. You're going to have your whatever you're doing, a bunch of public appearances and stuff like that, or classes or catering gigs. Um, and you have to balance that. You have to schedule in and say, hey, like I need two full days of like being able to chill.
1: Yeah. For me, it's like establishing those sacred nights that are non-negotiable. And it's hard. Like, I mean, I think you have to say to yourself, like, for me, it's like Sunday, Monday. Um, Monday a little bit more wiggle room, but... Mm -hmm. I think, like, just looking at your calendar that way is so important, because if you say, oh, I'm going to have one sacred night a week, all of a sudden you get into, like, the scheduling snafu, and that night disappears. Um. It's very easy for it to happen, and... The answer is, of course, like learning to say no sometimes. But when you're at the beginning of your career and you're, you know, trying to get out there as much as possible, trying to, you know, make as much money as possible, it's not always, it's not always, you know, the no isn't always easy. Um, And it might have nothing to do with like disappointing other people. It might just be your own ambition that's driving you towards a place of yes. Um, So I don't know. I think for other people at home, just figuring out, you know, or establishing those sacred nights if you do have you know the introvert bat- battery pack like us that yeah. or just feeling depleted. I mean, I think even the, the most extroverted person um, will eventually in that that state of go go go, realize that their adrenals <laughs> begin to be fatigued at a certain
0: point absolutely and it's exactly like listening to your body and honoring those times you're like okay i'm like really working with the go 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 but right now i'm not um but kind of along those topics one of the things i think we connected over this immediately and i think it would be important for i think people are always interested what like what does your day-to-day life look like what are the like, components that go into like the machine that is Phoebe um that <laughs> that because yeah, I know like that both like that support you being able to do what you do because I know that both of us are similar and we do like we do a variety of things but all of them are kind of under a similar umbrella
1: yeah. So, I mean, I've struggled over the years. I've been now a self-employed food babe for eight years, and I know. And I've definitely struggled with you know the lack of any sort of structure in my week and doing so many different things, especially since so many of those things were at night, especially when I was doing the professional cooking, and now even still with cooking classes, um, it can easily get to the point where we're working all the time. Um, So for me, it's been easier to kind of just look at my week in terms of different pockets of jobs. So I try not to schedule more than one or two teaching one or two private classes a week um, and I've just become a little bit more demanding with my asks of clients Um, in terms of the teaching it's always six to eight which for New Yorkers it's a lot of the time really hard for people to get home by six o'clock to start a class and work till like Seven thirty 30 or eight. Um, but I've made that just kind of a non-negotiable because then I at least have a night either to myself or to make plans with friends. Cause that was also a depleting thing about, um, doing all of these cooking events for other people who like weren't my intimate (laughs) confidants is that I just had so many fewer nights to see my friends. And that's again, how like those sacred nights like went by the wayside and I ended up like being scheduled, um, with an obligation every single night. Um, so, so I kind of, I have like Monday as my, my blog day. So I try and get my, my posts, written and out of the way. Um I know other people don't have an easy time doing that since like over the weekend you come back to your desk on Monday and there's so many emails and demands that need answering. And honestly I do some emails over the weekend and that's how I get through that piece. But I write my newsletter on Sunday and I do a couple like busy emails on Sunday and then spend the first half of Monday writing. Um, And then kind of getting, getting everything queued up so that I don't have to think about that aspect and I can just make my social media a little bit more in the moment and like kind of a little bit of work every single day. But knowing that like the content on my site is, is set. Um, and then I don't know, it really, it's so tough. It depends on the week and like what events are on the schedule and what travels on the schedule. Um, this book tour has taken over my life. and involves a lot of travel, so it's like I can't even remember what a normal week is like. Anymore. <laughs> um, they've been these little pockets of normal weeks.
0: Do you um, have any, like, non-negotiable daily rituals?
1: Yeah, so I try and meditate every morning. And operative word, try. <laughs> uh, but I attempt to do 20 minutes, I have a harder time when I'm not in my home space, like right now I'm actually visiting my my parents, and for whatever reason, like when I'm not home traveling anywhere, it's like, I don't know, sometimes the routine just goes out the window but um, if we start with with kind of the mornings, they're all include kind of like little snippets of things from the wellness project. But the first thing I do when I wake up is I take my temperature before getting out of bed because I use the fertility awareness method as my method of contraception and taking your basal body temperature is one element of that. So I take my temperature, I log it into the app, and then I take my thyroid medication, which needs to be taken 20 minutes before any food or caffeine or what have you. So that's out of the way. And then I try and meditate during the time that my thyroid medicine <laughs> needs to work. Perfect 20 minute <laughs> window. Around the nature And then yeah, I, the food element is not is not non negotiable. Um, it kind of varies. I try. I do think that. The first meal of the day is the most important. Um, So I do a lot of batch cooking, make-ahead meals for myself and try and have, like, one breakfast option be part of that, be it, like, a chia pudding or overnight oats or what have you, or just, like, the makings for an easy smoothie. And then, yeah, I just pour my tea and grab my labracki
0: and start work. I love it. So you hit on this a little bit, but one of the things I wrote down that I wanted to make sure I talked to you about before we close the interview was your, your chapter on like birth control and hormones and talking about all that. Um, I want to hear... So, first of all, I want to hear more about this, uh, your contraceptive method and what this Mm -hmm. is, because I'm sure women are going to be like, what? I want to know. Um, This, by the way,
1: is the final frontier. I (laughs) I love love it!
0: (laughs) I mean, I had such a strong um, experience going off birth control myself. Um, After I went vegan, a lot of, like, part of the reasons why I realized that meat was and dairy weren't helping me were because of all the added hormones that are in mm-hmm. so much of our meat and dairy and I noticed an immediate balancing in my emotional um, yeah. life after I after I did that and I noticed I was still taking my birth control at the time and around my periods I would still be a little bit of a psycho and there would be this feeling so much of the time of like it's not me. Like I felt like a prisoner to my own like emotional roller coaster. And when I got off birth control, I literally like I, I'm not even exaggerating. I regained my sanity. It was like I think one of the best biggest decisions I've ever made in my life, um, health wise, and. So anyway, I got super excited when I saw your chapter on this. I love to hear like what was your experience like and how did you kind of come to this new um this method that you're doing right now?
1: Definitely. So by the way, your narrative is not I mean is so common and I do wish that it was talked about more, but at the same time it is such a juggernaut of a subject. Um Because there's the whole feminist side of things, which I completely agree with. Like, everyone deserves access to affordable hormonal birth control. I totally agree as well. The only option. But, you know, I wish that there was more of an impetus in the scientific community to really understand what being on birth control for for some women over a decade really does to the body. Um, Because that's not the way it was designed. It was designed as this kind of... This brief for a brief period in life when you'd found your your stable partner but weren't ready to start a family yet. And that used to be, you know, like a few years back when people got married a little younger and got started families a little younger. And unfortunately, over 50% of the people who are being prescribed of the women being prescribed hormonal birth control, it's not for contraception. It's for all of these other tangential ailments which are hormonally based and instead of you know maybe taking a deep dive into other ways to to fix them we give women young women very young women who are too young well not too young but who are not who the pill was originally designed for um we put them on this hormone Balancing quote-unquote medication that is basically a Band-Aid that covers up any problems or regulates a cycle that hasn't had the time to even regulate itself yet. Because that's, I mean, a lot of people get put on it for regular periods. And the fact of the matter is it takes a few years of menstruating for your cycle to naturally regulate. I mean, these abnormalities aren't necessarily abnormal if you're looking historically. So... I went off the pill kicking and screaming. Um, I was told to do it by my crazy naturopath endocrinologist who had, you know, really tried to turn my life upside down in terms of... um, the foods I was eating and detoxifying my life. And it was like kind of her laundry list of things that led to the breaking point. That was the wellness project and taking a step back and being like, all right, lady, like I'm going to do this at my own pace, like on my own time. And I'm not going to just do it because you told me to, I'm going to do it with, you know, and an eye on what it's doing to all of the elements of my life and decide like whether or not it's worth it. Um, so Anyway, so this, so I went off the pill six months before starting the wellness project as kind of like during these early days of working with her. And it was funny because I was very anti going on medication for my thyroid at the beginning. It just felt like I was... I didn't want to be dependent on these hormones. And she's like, uh, Earth to Mattel, like, you're <laughs> completely dependent on hormones right now. Like, you, the birth control pill is, like, a complete, like, I don't know. It's this weird exception to all of these other uh, to this ethos that you want to live by and it's also like it's crazy that you're spending so much effort like trying not to eat like trying to eat organic meat so that you're not having consuming those hormones uh, or switching your makeup bag to naturals to avoid those endocrine disruptors while willfully taking the world's biggest endocrine disruptor every day and it is like good, good or bad what have you like it is an endocrine disruptor. It's designed to disrupt your endocrine system so you can't get pregnant. Um, so I went off, and my body went berserk. Um, I was, I did not have the, the lifting of the veil that you have. My body just, like, crumbled to the floor. I was, like... Having to flee public spaces because I thought I was either going to vomit or, like, poop myself. I would break out into, like, serious hot flashes. It was just like a whole, it was like a real hormonal roller coaster. But at the same time, just seeing, like, how violently my body reacted to not having the medication, and it really felt like a, a withdrawal um, was such an eye opener to like, how powerful that medication was and how much it was changing my body without my really realizing it. So, I really do think that I could have never gone through this project or fully healed without having taken that leap. Um, but again, you know, it is such a personal question, and you really have to make that decision for yourself. But I think my big I don't know, soapbox message on the subject is that I just wish that doctors wouldn't put, you know, 16 year old girls on it for reasons other than contraception.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And I think it is something you come to in your own time, and everybody, like, every, I believe everybody should have a right to have access to it. And everybody should have a right to make their own choice. Um, But I don't think it's talked about enough about the negative side effects. And and I do think there's a lot of women out there right now that think they're a little emotionally unstable or crazy Mm -hmm. or whatever. And they don't realize it's something that they're putting in their body every day and it's actually not them. You know, it's this
1: added thing. Um, Well, they did the whole... Uh, testing on the male birth control pill and found that everyone, like it affected everyone's mood and and they were depressed, and so they canceled the trial. And, and women are like, uh, hi, like, uh, hi, hi. hi. like this I've is a side effect. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god,
0: <laughs> that's hilarious! Oh, oh my hi. god, okay, so I, but I'm so curious. So, what is this? This, do you take your temperature every morning?
1: Yes. So FAM, as it's called, Fertility Awareness Method, um, it, it has a few different names. The kind of um, mother of the movement behind it is Tony Wexler. She has a book um, called Taking Charge of Your Fertility, I think. I, I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, I read <laughs> it a while ago. Um, but the idea is that you're basically checking your daily signs of fertility um, one of them being your cervical fluid. So ladies, what some have come to regard as discharge in your panties, um, it's actually a really important sign of what's going on with your fertility. And um, you'll may notice if you're not on the pill, if you're on the pill, it's different. Um, if you you have a natural cycle, you'll be drier at some times of the month. And then your cervical fluid will actually shift in texture, from being kind of more creamy and lotiony or sticky to like kind of elasticy egg white, and that elasticly egg white is actually extremely fertile fluid that's designed to keep sperm alive in the body for up to five days. Um, so, amazingly, yeah, an egg only there's only an egg in the body for 24 hours. 24 to 48 hours in case you drop a second egg, which is how twins (laughs) exist. Um, But it's really that fluid that's extending your fertile window. So part A of the fertility awareness method is, is noting that fluid. And then part B is taking your temperature every day, which is how you can establish if ovulation has happened. So once the fluid starts appearing after your period, that's when you know, okay, like danger zone, like let's start using another method of contraception or abstaining. And by the way, there are religious groups have been using the, these methods of contraception for a long time. It's called natural family planning. Um, and they just abstain during the fertile window, but other women can you know, use their, method of choice, condoms, um, or what have you. And so then when you're taking your temperature every day, um, it's amazing, when you ovulate, your temperature will spike by at least two degrees is kind of how you judge it, but, um, and then it'll stay high through the end of your cycle. So that's kind of how you establish you know, once ovulation has actually occurred.
0: See, I, I love this. Like, I love this even if you do this and you're, you know, use condoms all the time or whatever the thing is. Like, I love this because it's getting you into a better relationship with your body. Oh, like, yeah. Like, no, how so cool is that? It. Like, just you walking through that. There's just such an awe and reverence for how magical our body is out of just just paying attention and being like, wow, how crazy it is that, like, these little conditions shift. I notice my temperature changes. Um, so, I mean, I highly recommend it, even if it's not your only, you know, form of birth, you know, birth control or fertility awareness. Um, just as an exercise, like... I think that would be a great... If you're... I know this is mostly women listening to this. Um, Why not try that on? Like, I'm going to try that on.
1: I'm so excited. I I want to try that. And Um, you should know, it's also incredibly indicative of where you are with your hormones. Like people with Hashimoto's tend to have temperatures that straddle the higher or lower ends. It's just like a little bit more extreme. And I even, even just the act of recording how long my cycles are, I don't get blood work done every month. I get it done every three months, but I can tell hundred percent just on the length of my cycle when my thyroid is slowing down. Um, cause it'll be longer. And like the one time that my doctor ups my medication without me realizing it, and I went into hyperthyroid territory, my cycle was 24 days. Like, it was amazing. Wow. Oh, my God, I love it. It's all connected. And I'm such a fan of the method for the reasons that you just said. I mean, reading Tony Wexler's book, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's a refresher I mean, not a refresher on sex ed. It's all the stuff that we just were never taught. Even just knowing that, you know, an egg only lasts for 24 hours, or an egg can only survive for 24 hours. Like, that's wow, I didn't know that. And it's so basic.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Oh my God. This is, I literally could talk to you all day, Phoebe, and ask you all the questions. Oh. We may have to do a part two so I can dive even deeper. I can't believe it's already been like almost an hour um
1: that's like all the fan stuff in the book I am not a a fertility awareness educator um and I actually rarely get to talk about this so you know if I butchered anything yeah no for sure advice based on that definitely do your own research and read up on it if you want to experiment yourself
0: and I'll totally include a link. Um, I'm going to include a link for you to find Phoebe and all of her social places as well as to get the wellness project yourself if you haven't already gotten it. And I will also um, do some research on that and include some links. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out further. Yay. All right, baby. The last question we always ask to close us out is what is really lighting you up in your life right now?
1: Oh, my God. Right this second, I'm currently staring out at the ocean, which is amazing. I feel so much happier when I'm closer to water, as silly as it sounds. And the East River in Dumbo doesn't <laughs> really <laughs> count, although it is actually it is nice for me to take a daily walk by there. But, um, yeah, just being close to the water and knowing that I have this this beautiful place to have my my extended introvert recharge um and to cook on a grill I know LA people like probably like I totally get it I totally get it cook outside it's so fun so this little interlude is lighting me up and um yeah and then I'm excited for the fall to to travel more with the book and
0: to get to meet more people. Yay! Oh my god. Well it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the Lightmaker podcast. And everybody that's listening, please check the show notes so you can keep in touch with Phoebe, so you can grab the book so you can check out more about the fertility awareness method that I'm super excited to check out myself. Um yeah, and if you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a little review and say hi. <laughs> Thanks
1: guys, thank you Phoebe. Thank you, so fun being on. Yay!